Hi, friend. My name is Amy Joy, and this is the Make Prayer Beautiful podcast. Recently, I was on a call with my prayer mentoring community, and if you're interested in joining us, we have a lot of fun. You can see the link in the show notes. We'd love to have you. And so this particular call, my friend said something like, Lord, I I feel like sometimes I'm like the mobster boss where I can forgive, but I will never forget. And I'm not sure that's the most healthy. And then she prayed a beautiful prayer and the call went on. But that particular quote really just stuck with me because, you know, I feel like this is a challenging topic in Christendom. What does it mean to forgive? What does it mean to forget? Is that even the call to forget? And so I wanted to give just a few thoughts and I welcome conversation around this because I don't feel like this is something that I have completely centered on. I feel like this is just something to hold with open hands. So this is very much a on the journey still um, conversation here. So one of the things that we know is that the Lord actually does um, remember not our sins, that he really has forgotten them, that he's thrown them into the sea and they they are gone. And so I think that that's really beautiful, um, that even when the Lord says, forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. Look, I'm doing a new thing. See, it springs up. Do you not perceive it? That's so precious. I mean, I remember the bad things that I've done. I remember, like, this is incredible to think that about certain things that I have a better memory than the Lord. And yet how how refreshing that he just starts anew with us. <laughs> Amazing. So I I think that that's beautiful. And to the extent that we forget that that is almost like a uniquely godlike gift that he gives us. Okay. So that said, I also recognize that just as part of being in the world, that there are certain things that we need to not actually forget. You know, I think about Um, one of my friends has a family member who is a convicted sex offender and is in jail probably for the rest of his life and horrible, horrible situations that led him to that place. But I remember before he was in jail, um, for this final time, my friend was talking to me about what does it look like to actually have a family member who has done really horrible things? Like, would I keep my, but I need to keep my children from him at all times. Would it, or like, what does this look like? And with something like that, I feel like, well, we know that most can, most sex offenders are repeat offenders that they will harm many children. So to me, I feel like statistically speaking, yes, you would want to definitely keep your children away from a person who deals with that. That's just part of being an honorable individual. Um, we we have a different friend whose um, dad was sent to jail for child porn, and um, he at one point came to visit, but he was really careful um, to make sure that our boys were all in bed, and then, you know, just that visit was just short. And I just felt like that was so honorable, that there was like, you are carrying the weight of what you've done so um, honorably and beautifully. And so... Um, Okay, so there's a level of saying, I don't think that we're necessarily called to forget, especially if it would put somebody in harm's way. And I honestly even wonder if that includes ourselves, that as we are the Lord's beloved, 
I, I sometimes think it, we're way kinder to our children than we are to ourselves. And it's sort of like the wife who's getting beaten up. You know, you want to say to her, like, please, can you leave this situation and go and find a place of safety? This is not the Lord's best for you. And so I, I think there's there's a level of just maybe let that fall on you, that there is um, maybe the Lord actually values you more than you value yourself. I don't know, but I'm, it's a, it's a question to ask him about. And, you know, I also read a really interesting blog post recently that I thought, oh, this actually very well expresses something that I have observed where I feel like in the church, oftentimes we make marriage the ultimate in terms of right living or something. And so even if a husband is extremely unkind or verbally abusive or otherwise very hard to to live with, that we, we tend to say like, well, no, you know, he's not, he's not sleeping around. So you don't really have a legal way to leave. And, and so then when the wife finally does go, you know, people are like, well, why did the wife break that marriage? And this particular article pointed out that, well, no, the marriage was already broken. The, the, the husband had been tearing down the, the relationship for decades, oftentimes. And so the wife is just actually expressing the truth of what was happening. And so again, I'm not saying that that's prescriptive. I'm just saying, let that fall on you, that the ideal of the Lord is to have a husband and wife in a mutual loving relationship that expresses a relationship like Christ and the church. And so that's, that's the ideal. That's what we would hope for, for all of us. And then, okay, one more kind of thing that I just am continuing to process through. I was reading recently the story again of David and how he ascended to the throne. And it's so interesting to me because when you have this horrible story at one point where Abner, who was the head of Saul's army and a very honorable man from all accounts, he was being pursued in battle by a very swift runner. And he said to this young man, I, you need to stop pursuing me or I'm going to kill you. And the young man was like, no, no, I'm coming after you, man. And so I think he gave maybe three warnings and then he, he stuck out his spear and the guy was running so fast. He basically just gutted himself. Um, his name was Asahel. And then he died. Well, that was the brother of Joab, who was the head of David's army. And many years later, after all the wars were done, Joab continued to retain this anger and this unforgiveness. He remembered what Abner had done. And on the one hand, that kind of makes sense. Like, you're not going to easily forget the person who killed your brother. But what happens is so awful that Joab went and actually... He basically killed Abner in cold blood, which is much, much more disconcerting than what uh, a, a wartime, you know, battle death would be. And so um, to strike down an unarmed man in a treacherous move is just beyond. So David actually curses Joab and he says, um, I and my kingdom are forever innocent before the Lord concerning the blood of Abner, son of Ner. May his blood fall on the head of Joab and on his whole family. May Joab's family never be without someone who has a running sore or leprosy or who leans on a crutch or who falls by the sword or who lacks food. And so basically, I mean, 
I've listened to a lecture on bitterness and how it was like, if you are harboring bitterness, then you can expect this same curse that David pronounced, that you would have issues with your body. You would have um, some kind of a really heinous disease like leprosy in the Old Testament, that you're, you would have structural, postural difficulties, whether it be arthritis or something else like that. Somebody who has a tendency towards suicide or is self-loathing and somebody who deals with want. So that's a pretty awful list. This story is found in Second uh, Samuel 3. And the specific curse is um, verses 28 and 29. So I, I offer that to you because we can clearly see that retaining bitterness is not good in that sense of I, I mean, in this case, I don't think Joab even tried to forgive. I think he was nursing his bitterness uh, for a long time. But the concern would be that we would become like like Joab instead of maybe saying, I am grieved for the broken relationship here, but I have no desire to have any form of revenge. And I ask that the Lord would bless this person who has wronged me in this way. But I also ask that any piece of me that went out would be returned to me, restored to me. And and then I think from that protective measure to say, and I don't need to actually forget. Or maybe the Lord would say, you do need to forget. That's the piece I'm not entirely sure about. But these are all just things where clearly if somebody's remembering and remembering and nursing that remembrance of an ill from the past, that creates a pretty deep poison in the soul. So Lord Jesus, these are difficult matters. We recognize that we do not live in an ideal world, that we ourselves are not ideal in our thinking, in our mindsets, in our walk with you. And so we're asking Jesus that you would be the one who teaches us what it is to live rightly. And we thank you in your precious name. Amen.